On today's episode, what the Titanic sub-disaster can teach us about carbon composites. Today's episode is brought to you by Engineering.com, a globally trusted source for engineering content. Check out this and many other exclusive videos for the engineering professional found only on Engineering.com TV today. The tragedy of the Ocean Gate Titan sub-disaster has generated a tidal wave of speculation about the cause of that catastrophic implosion. Poor design, inadequate testing, and the choice of carbon composites as a structural material are all under debate right now, and to be clear, no definitive cause has been released by any investigator to date. In any failure like this, causes are usually several and are often interlinked. The mere fact of a catastrophic failure of any device in normal operations suggests poor design and or inadequate testing. But the use of composite materials instead of metals in the submarine's hull has come under particular scrutiny. Carbon composites are being characterized by many as too weak for this application. Here are the basic factors that everyone should know about composites compared to metals when used in structural applications. As the name implies, composite materials get their strength by incorporating two or more different substances, usually long fibers, chopped roving, or ground functional fillers embedded in a matrix. As far back as the 1940s, chopped glass fibers embedded in a liquid polyester resin, which then hardens in a mold, were used to make fiberglass aircraft parts, particularly radomes, with good performance. In the early 1950s, General Motors introduced the Corvette, a vehicle whose body is made with fiber-reinforced plastics. Today, the outstanding Boeing 787 Dreamliner is almost entirely built from composite materials, and it is a reliable, high-performance aircraft. But engineers working with the composites as a structural material have to keep a couple of factors in mind. We all remember those elementary stress-strain curves from first-year engineering, and we know that if we cycle most metals inside their Hookean range, we can cycle them essentially indefinitely with no harm done. Cycle it into the plastic range and it deforms. Now, metallurgists dive deeper into dislocation theory and note that dislocations can tangle and pile up, creating the common work hardening effect that we've all seen by flexing a paperclip back and forth until it breaks. For airplanes, this metal fatigue is factored into the expected service life of an airplane, and the fatigue life is established after which the aircraft must be scrapped or rebuilt. Every time an airplane takes off and lands, one pressurization cycle balloons the fuselage with considerable hoop stress, then relaxes that strain. A famous example of not fully factoring the cyclical loads into their product life was the famous Aloha Airlines airliner, which came apart mid-air, a consequence of the unusual service life of that 737, which involves multiple takeoffs and landings every day. Put simply, that particular airplane had an unusual service life not anticipated by engineers used to airliners flying two or perhaps three flights a day. Carbon fiber structures are no different. Depending on the material chosen, enough strain will fatigue composite materials evident through micro-cracking in the matrix, pull-out of reinforcing fibers, or delamination of structures built up from multiple layers. And for continuous fiber-reinforced composites, it's common to lay up multiple layers on the bias to ensure omnidirectional strength. In short, with known service conditions and an established projected service life either defined by time or cycles and a well-characterized material and manufacturing process, there is no reason why a composite submarine or airplane or tea kettle, for that matter, should fail in service. So why did OceanGate use carbon fiber? Well, it's strong, light, and critically, it can be laid up without expensive tooling or gigantic machines. It's simply cheaper to work with. Now, regulations will likely emerge from this submarine tragedy, and I hope that they don't restrict the choice of materials that builders can use for undersea vehicles. Because used correctly, composite materials are an outstanding choice for any structure. Well, that's it for today's audio version of End of the Line, brought to you by Engineering.com. 
If you like this podcast, subscribe to engineering.com to get personalized story recommendations, follow topics you care about, and participate with the global engineering community. You can also watch this podcast as a video along with our other exclusive series only on engineering.com TV. Thanks for tuning in.